0: Christians in name only. In other words, a Christian is a fundamentalist, period. How is that for dogmatic? There is a general understanding that fundamentalist Christians and Roman Catholics are quite different. Catholics talk to God while God talks to Protestants. In no place is this more obvious than Pentecostal churches, where even the most unsophisticated can get a word of knowledge directly from the mouth of the Almighty Himself. Years ago, I was preaching in an Assembly of God church in Springfield, Oregon. And during the course of the sermon, I mentioned that I had a phobia about something, which I presently don't even recall. But the part I fondly remember is what happened after the service, during the period when the acolytes swarmed down upon the visiting speaker, usually asking for a special prayer or blessing from one of God's truly anointed. On this particular evening, a well-meaning portly woman in a white faux fur coat and matching boots pushed her way up to me. She looked like a polar bear, and the ensemble just wouldn't have been complete without the matching white coffee table-sized family Bible that she carried conspicuously near her heart. She came up to share a word that the Lord had given directly to her for me during my sermon. Brother Muzio, She exclaimed breathily, God gave me a word of knowledge while you were preaching, and he told me to tell you that you should have no phobias. Phobias are of the devil. In fact, while you were preaching, I saw the letter F appear on your tongue. That was clearly a sign that God doesn't want you to have any more phobias. I admit that I was a bit skeptical. Either God needed an editor or spell check. But what could I say? God told her. Chapter 1. The Choice To jump or not to jump? That is the question. The express train was racing at high speed down the tracks on the main line between Wuhan and Changsha, in the flat plains of central China, when it suddenly lurched violently. Luggage from overhead came cascading down on us as the iron wheels shrieked against the rails with the sound of a metal saw. The passengers who were riding forward flew into those of us riding backward in the six-person compartment. It took what seemed like forever to finally make a full stop. The five Chinese guys that I had only met within the hour when I boarded in Wuhan had been in that compartment for hours since Beijing, where the train had begun its long haul to its destination, Guangzhou. We had become fast friends, sharing snacks that they had wisely brought along for the 25-hour trek and tea from one of those thermos bottles that are so ubiquitous in China we all jumped up at once slid the compartment door open and rushed into the narrow aisle that was full of people and luggage in total disarray the sliding window was already down as it was may and the warm spring air came wafting in along with all those familiar smells of rural china what's happening everyone was shouting at each other at this point no one had a clue but we knew that something was definitely wrong across a field of blooming yellow rapeseed plants was a small village like any other found in their tens of thousands throughout the ancient Middle Kingdom. Villagers were coming out to see what was going on. I am sure they were quite accustomed to the trains of the Chinese Rail Service regularly zooming past their oblivious sleepy village. But this afternoon it had stopped with enough noise to raise the dead. They were walking single file along one of those narrow footpaths just wide enough for one person to allow another to pass sideways then some of the men in front began to run. At that moment we heard the sound of running feet crunching on the gravel siding below, and suddenly the train's conductor appeared with several other official-looking men in uniforms. They stopped directly beneath our open window. All I could see was the tops of their stiff, round, military-style hats and uniformed shoulders, with epaulets containing the red insignia of the People's Rail Service. They had run from the engine all the way back to our carriage— which was second from the end. They were in a state of panic, shouting to each other, totally ignoring the passengers who were yelling to us what was wrong. It was hard to make much of anything when everybody was yelling and screaming at the same time. But we finally began getting the drift. She just jumped right out in front of the train, the engineer shouted. I hardly even saw her, shouted the other. And the others all yelled their agreement. By then, the first of the male villagers had arrived, and the rest began running up to the train as well. By the time the women began arriving, there were at least 30 peasants on the scene. They all began shouting as well, and the cacophony grew. Finally, we got it. A woman from the village had been hit by the train, and her remains were right under our very car. Of course, from our vantage point, we could see nothing.